Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Worship Team Podcast. My name is Alex Infiegin and I am your host. Today is episode 17 of the podcast and I am talking with Chris Vache, who is a well-known worship blogger. His blog actually, uh, for the last two years, has won Worship Leader Magazine's Best Of. And uh, Chris is also the creative arts pastor at C4 Church in Ontario, Canada. So I'm really stoked to talk to Chris today about what you should be spending your time on in between Sundays. Chris uh, has a passion for making sure that worship leaders are well-equipped to do a great job, not just standing on the stage, but of all the little things that happen in between. So today we talk about how to spend your time effectively in between Sundays. So let's get right into the episode today with Chris Vache. Hey everybody, I am here with Chris Vache, who is a blogger uh, on all things worship-related and also the creative arts pastor for C4 Church in Ajax, Ontario, Canada, where he says it's not actually cold this year. So, hey, Chris, thanks for being here. Hey, Alex, thanks, man. It is, it's uh, like spring. It's February, but it's like spring. It's pretty awesome. That's rad. You should move to SoCal. It's like 70 degrees all the time. Mm, Don't tell me. All right. So, um, Chris, I think most of our listeners are probably familiar with you and your blog, which is called Chris from Canada. But if they're not familiar with you and what you do, can you just give us like the 30-second intro to Chris Vache and family? Sure. Uh, so I've been a worship leader for about 20 years. Uh, I met Jesus in high school because I was musical. I got involved in worship ministry right away, traveling. Um, I've been on staff at a church in a full-time worship ministry capacity for 10 years. So that's been like the main focus of my life for the last 10 years. Uh, I've been on staff at this church for two years. I'm the creative arts pastor, so I oversee all of our worship ministry, worship leaders, worship teams. I oversee all of our communication, which is video design, anything that you might like see or hear or feel. And then I oversee our production ministry as well. Uh, I'm married for almost 13 years, and we have four kids, three girls and a boy. And uh, we live on a little house in the country, and we've got chickens. That keeps me busy when I'm not uh, (laughs) doing church stuff. And get to enjoy the country life a little bit. So that's me. So the chickens keep you busy when you're not busy, but you're always busy. So You know, I need that thing that has no connection to any other part of my life. It's my little meditation. Just go and hang out with chickens and collect eggs. And uh, it's pretty awesome. That's great, man. So, Chris, when we were talking about what to talk about on this episode, (laughs) you had brought up the idea of, like, everything that a worship leader should be focusing on between Sundays. And... I had a hard time wrapping my brain around that because there are so many things that worship leaders should be focusing on between Sundays. Like, I mean, leading worship from the stage, singing songs is an important part of what we do, but it's hardly the whole picture, right? And so what I'd like you to do right now is maybe just give us the laundry list like of the oh, roles man. and responsibilities, paint, paint a, a vivid picture of what the life of a worship leader should look like uh, and all the various things we have to do between Sundays. Yeah, I guess the the Sunday part is like the it's the part of the iceberg you see above water, and uh, everything else below that. And sort of you know whether you whether you're a full time worship leader, like this is your full time gig, and you can give full time attention to it, or you do it as a volunteer. Sort of doesn't matter that how you invest your time between Sundays, the evidence of that will show on Sunday morning, whether you're leading. So it's everything 
um, you know, I'm thinking about somebody full time. So it's everything from like managing emails, scheduling teams, choosing songs, working with your pastor, being in staff meeting, uh, making sure the stage is set up and ready to go, doing pro presenter, working out planning center, making sure uh, other people on your staff team know what's happening. Maybe there's, a, you know, you're doing communion or you're doing baptism. You got to make sure there's people to serve communion and you need the tank set up. I mean, there's just like, that's just a laundry list. And that's just every Sunday, 52 times a year. On top of that, it's like, okay, now we're going to do a series design or we've got Easter coming or we're going to do, we're doing a night of worship or we might do some songwriting together as a team or there's a guest, you know, you start to get into these bigger event stuff. And then it's like, okay, am I going to be here long term? And I thinking out a year, two years, five years, how are we developing people? How are we mentoring people? If there's other worship leaders, how are we equipping them? If there's people on our team, how are we building a relationship with them and developing community? How are we equipping our artists to serve really well? How am I equipping myself or how am I being equipped? Who are my mentors? Um, you know, five years from now, what's my job going to look like? So there's above the water of the iceberg, the part that people see on Sunday is, you know, can you put a, so a set together of four songs, maybe a scripture reading? Can you transition really well? Can you do a key change? Can you lead a team? All of that. But there's, you know, once you're in the job, or even if you're a volunteer worship leader, you know, you learn pretty quickly that, um, you know, those those hours spent between Sundays, if you can invest them really, really well, the effectiveness on Sunday is is maximized more than you could ever imagine. Man, that, yeah, that's a huge list, and, and it could keep going, right? Yep. I mean, vision caster, culture protector, meeting oh, agenda planner. I mean, like, uh, there are so many roles to our our responsibilities yeah. uh, and so many hats we have to wear. One of the things you said at the end, though, was uh, how we use our time between Sundays, will it will determine our effectiveness on Sundays. So I want to ask you a question, Chris. Like, out of all of that, what are, like, let's say three or maybe four of the top things that the most effective worship leaders do? So I'll, I'll say these and uh, don't hold them in order of priority. How's that? So, like, the <laughs> things that I say is the first thing isn't that's maybe the, the most important, but I'd say these things are important. So I would say the, the most effective worship leaders I know, and maybe the, the opposite, the ones that I have seen where the effectiveness has not lasted, is when the investment in personal discipleship is primary. So don't ever, ever, ever get in the trap of professional Christianity. You know, I'm, I'm a leader, I'm up front, I'm spending time choosing songs, I'm talking to my pastor about the passage that he's preaching from. That's never, ever a replacement. It's actually a terrible replacement for personal relationship with Jesus. Like, why would, why would you ever give up the personal intimacy and the personal relationship and personal time spent in relationship with the God of the universe who knows you and loves you and wants to be with you. And why would you give that up for, in a sense, like the facade of what you put on on Sunday and just giving out to other people? And the effectiveness of Sunday um, is made most effective when it comes from like the most honest place. So, I mean, for me, that's spend time in personal worship away from preparing for Sunday. So, you know, ministry, you know, this, this Levitical role of just ministry before the Lord. And so in your office, in a room at your house, on stage, sometimes I'll just go to this, the platform in our auditorium. Nobody's in there. 
and I'll just get up my guitar and sing and just worship the Lord. I like being in our auditorium to do that, or I'll do it at home or wherever. But just personal worship, for sure, personal time in Scripture outside of the passage that your pastor is preaching. Just believe that God is going to speak to you through His Word, because that's what He does. You know, have have personal mentors and people who know you and love you and are in relationship with you for more than what you do on Sunday. That's it's huge, and I, I can't you know I can't give too much weight to that. I think that's really important. And I, and the, the inverse is true. The ones that I've seen who have lost effectiveness, and you know, some friends of mine who've been in worship ministry, even like walked away from ministry, walked away from the Lord. That's the piece that was missing. It became about. The Sunday it became about the the bit of the iceberg that was above the water and not what was underneath. Yeah, so I'd say that that's a huge one. Can I speak into that? I mean, yeah, that, man. that's like you're saying you you have made your relationship with Christ a professional matter. Your job, the fact that you have to stand in front of people on Sunday, is motivating you to spend time with God. So your your job is fueling your relationship with God rather than your relationship with God being something that fuels your ministry. That's where the starting point is. And that's what you're saying is the difference. And I'll be honest, I've been there. I've been in that place where it's like, Oh my gosh, I gotta, I gotta stand on the stage Sunday. I gotta make sure that I'm reading my Bible. And that's, that's the backwards way of looking at it. It needs to be something that's real and private and personal that overflows and spills out into effective ministry. And that's, that's what you're saying. Effective worship leaders spend time with Christ in private when no one's watching and it doesn't really count for anything. Yeah. And I, there's probably seasons of that. I mean, I've, uh, um, I think there are, we can all look, if you've been doing this long enough, you can all look back to seasons in life where, man, that was, and so it's a, there's an ebb and a flow, but you know, if we get to say, where's the priority, we get to choose first relationship with Christ, personal relationship. And I mean, I, I think it's true. I think the, the, the idea of, trading that for for public ministry leadership is a terrible trade um e- even just in the economics of it um it's it's just the the benefit of it, it just it can't be understated um and you can't give enough weight especially if you're thinking longevity and people who were really called to this for a long time it's got to come out of that personal uh personal discipleship personal relationship with the lord first always uh, second thing I'd say, effectiveness is, and we can talk about this a little bit, but I, I always am thinking about how do I lead people, and not just on Sundays again, but like in my office, in my work environment, if you're a volunteer, um, you know, how are you leading people in relationship? But I always think of like leading down, leading across, and leading up. Um, leading up would be with my senior pastor, with my lead pastor. How do I manage expectations on what's, you know, what's possible uh, what's achievable, what's realistic with timelines and budget and people. Um, and so just managing relationship and managing expectations really well that way. Leading across with other staff, other leaders, keeping them excited and informed about what's happening in our services. Um, at our church, You know, Sunday is a big deal for us. Not all churches make Sunday a big deal. We make Sunday a big deal because it's the one time of the week where uh, our whole church family gets together. We have two services at one location we have one service at another location, so we're not literally all in the same room together, but it's like a little family reunion every Sunday, and so uh, I want to make sure that our staff are excited about that, that they're aware of what's happening. If there's changes in what we normally do or where we're going with Sundays, I want to make sure they're in on that, 
And then leading down, and that's not uh, in a condescending way, but if you're a leader, uh, it's because you're asked to lead people. And so how do I lead in my con- in my world that's like other staff or other leaders or teams of people? How am I setting vision and setting expectation? How am I helping us move forward? And am I looking out you know, four months or six months or 12 months and thinking about where we're going and starting to set up some conversations or if, if things are getting stale, how do I lead? You know, maybe, maybe we need to go somewhere else and see something or maybe we need to read a book together or maybe we need to whatever, whatever it is. Um, but how, how am I consciously not just getting people to fill roles and to do a job, whether that's paid or volunteer, um, how do I get them excited about what God's doing and, and help to lead them and develop them so that ultimately they will then lead and develop others and, and so that multiplication. So that's, that's the second one. First one, spiritual, making sure your spiritual walk is vibrant and real, leading others up, down, left, right. Yeah. Yeah. And then I would say that the third thing from a, in terms of effectiveness is like, don't ever stop learning. Um, and I'm an information junkie. That's part of social media for me. If people track me on social media, they know I'm always sharing stuff. Because uh, I'm always looking to learn. I never, ever, ever in my life want to get to a place where I feel like I figured it out. And now I'm just, you know, <laughs> just turning the gears and, and spitting out Sundays. I always want to be learning. So I'm always reading. We were talking about this earlier. I have a book list every year. My goal in life is to every year read more than I read the year before. And uh, so I just build an Amazon uh, checkout cart. And then a few times a year I'll buy a bunch of books um, cause I, I want to stay sharp. I want to read from other people who are, uh, further along from me and wiser than me. I want to read also from people who are younger than me and thinking about new ways to do it and reading about what is God doing in a younger generation? Um, and what are some of the things that God's speaking? Because, you know, we've, we've gone through this kind of modern worship movement and now the guys who broke through kind of my age, mid thirties, late thirties, you know, now we're the same age as the people who got pushed out 20 years ago. And I don't necessarily think that was done real well. And so how do we not hold on to our models, but how do we open opportunity for what God is doing in a younger generation? I'm, I'm seeing some things I'm really excited about. So, you know, be reading, be engaged online. There's, there's unbelievable access to people like never before. Who are the mentors that you're learning from? I have mentors in my life. Um, some of them I only talk to a couple times a year, but they're mentors via social media or via email or via phone, whatever. Don't ever, ever, ever stop learning. Just look, look for ways to learn from people who are doing things better or different from you. All right. So, uh, let's say someone's listening and they're like, okay, I'll start learning. Tell me what to learn. Give us four books that you are like hands down best for worship leaders to read. Okay. So my, here are my four that I get when I get asked that question. Worship Matters by Bob Coughlin, Vertical Church by James McDonald, uh, Worship by the Book by D.A. Carson, and Unceasing Worship by Harold Best. Now, I say all four of those not because I believe wholeheartedly in every word on every page, but for me, those give a real full, uh, you know, full-figured view of what we do on Sundays. But I'm tempted now <laughs> to add a fifth book, which I just read yesterday. And it's from Bob Coughlin as well called True Worshippers. I read it yesterday in one sitting and it was just like I could not put it down. It's incredible. And I think that book is going to get onto um, my list uh, of must-reads, True Worshippers by Bob Coughlin. So there's five. 
That's awesome. Dude, that's really good. Okay, so you gave us three things that uh, effective worship leaders do between Sundays. Are there more? Do you feel like there's other things that you could add to that list? Oh, man. I think the list is is never-ending. You know, really thinking about... uh, I, I always encourage worship ministry people, you know, how long is your perspective? So the church that you're serving at now... Are you planning to be there two years, five years, 10 years, 30 years? And then how, how long is your calling? Uh, do, do, you really, do you believe God has called you for the rest of your life into worship ministry? So when we went in 2005 to our previous church, we went in and I told the search team, I said, listen, if you're looking for somebody to come here for two years to help kind of set things on course and then leave, do not hire me. Because if we're coming here, we're staying until God kills us or calls us somewhere else. <laughs> and uh, after eight years, God called us somewhere else. Very, very clearly, God called us somewhere else. And now the church, I said the same thing to them. I said, listen, do not bring me if your expectation is two years, three years. We Our intent is to be here until God kills us or calls us somewhere else. So I have 30 years of perspective. What that allows then is to say, okay, my plan is to be here when I'm 60, 65, 70, I don't need to get my way right away. If something can't happen in 30 days or six months, I'm okay with that. I've got patience because what's six months in the context of 30 years? Um, it changes how I invest in relationships with people. You know, musicians who might not <laughs> who might not hit a performance mark that I want them. I've got all kinds of patience with them because my hope for them is that they'll be part of our team for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. So if there's one Sunday when life is crazy and they didn't sleep great and they missed a key change, I'm not going to go slap them upside the head because listen, man, like you are still here and you're part of the team and part of the team means we carry each other and we get back on the horse and we come back the next Sunday that you're on and we keep going because I want you to be here five years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now. And then also I think that changes how you think about, um, how you are being developed as a leader. So, you know, get back, gets back to that idea of who are your mentors, um, you know, spending time listening to the kinds of questions that people are asking you. Um, what are people coming to you for, for advice? I find that a lot of times God uses other people asking questions to help direct paths. And so, you know, is, is it about, I've got to be the best musician I can be because I'm going to be a musical leader in our church. Or is it about, I really need some theological training because I'm moving more into like a teaching role or it's about like for me, I'm, uh, I always want to be very collaborative and in relationship and, and that works out for us in songwriting. So I want to get better as a songwriter. I want to write with better songwriters. I want to get better as a collaborator uh, in relationship. So spending time thinking about that too, like how long is your perspective and that changes how you interact with people Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah, no, that's good. Vision is is a huge word in in that whole uh, scenario that you painted. Your vision long term, but then the ability to cast that vision for your teams and for the people you work with, and leading up, like you said, to your pastors, casting that vision, yeah. getting them on board. Yeah, effective worship leaders have vision. Without vision, the people perish. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's so that's so key. And a couple of things you said in there um, really pointed to relationships and shepherding people and pastoring people. And obviously 
that is a huge part of our our uh, role as worship leaders because the people that we sing with on Sundays are also the people that you know we live with and and walk through life with and sometimes they go through hardships sometimes they're they're in sin sometimes they're you know they need to be confronted on something other times they need to be encouraged um, how do you uh, as an effective worship leader worship pastor Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you pastor your people? What does that look like? Do you have team nights where you get together once a month? Are you shooting them emails? Are you, uh, you know, discipling people one-on-one? T- talk to us a little bit about your pastoring methods. Yeah, and this is where um, this is where it might break down a little because it's not, you know, every church is going to be different. And in my case, I'm in a full-time staff role overseeing multiple staff, multiple departments. But I think the principles here are the same. So... Um, yeah, relationship is key. When I came on staff here two years ago, um, one of the first things I did was I went out for lunch with every single person who served in our worship ministry. At the time, it was about 35 people. And so it took me, it took me a few months to get through the list. But, uh, but that was really the first thing I did. And that was just to start relationship with them, to let them get to know me a little bit, to ask them about their experience of worship at our church. And, uh, and then was able to get sort of a, a, a full picture of who our team is and getting to know them. Um, we do team nights here. We call them creative community nights. And we do them about six or eight times a year. Um, some, some places we do team nights every week and it's connected to rehearsal or every month. We found in our context, uh, yeah, every couple months-ish um, works for us. So those are just a chance for us to build community among creative volunteers across our whole church and then to build creative values across our whole church. So we, we, we spend time in worship together. We spend time in teaching together. We spend time uh, doing workshops and training together. And then we get to encourage one another and pray for one another. So those, those are huge for us in our structure, the way we work, we have uh, four other worship leaders here and those, that's a staff role for us. So that's where um, a lot of my pastoring happens is just developing or not not necessarily developing, but like spending time with those leaders because those leaders are the ones who lead our Sunday mornings. And so they have a shepherding role, too, with our teams uh, and with our congregation. So that would be like the closest pastoral relationship I have is with them. Um, And then I do have some relationship with our team, but across our whole teams now, we have about 60 people. And so it just the logistics of that breaks down a little bit. So I encourage our leaders to be in relationship uh, with our teams, our teams to be in relationship with one another, and people on our teams to be in what we call connect groups. So if you do small groups or life groups or home groups, um, because you, uh, sometimes a serving team can't really be a replacement for that kind of relationship. So we encourage people to be in connect groups. And then, uh, and then I will often – you know, I'll just call people up and say, hey, let's go for lunch. We haven't had time to really just talk, and I really appreciate your investment. So yesterday I took a guy out for lunch, and we just sat across the table, and, you know, how are you doing? What's up this year? What are you excited about? Um, and just staying just staying in um, in relationship with people that way, too. Man, that's really good. So, Chris, we talked about the spiritual life being super important, uh, really learning to be a leader, uh, off the stage in, in your interactions with people, we talked about always being a learner. Yeah, yeah, and, and and pastoring. And I'd say that there's one more thing that is important for worship leaders to be doing uh, in between Sundays, and that is really investing in your family. I, I think you can't be an effective leader in the church if your family is falling apart. If your family 
is not being taken care of, if they're not your first priority, your first love, then you're not going to last long term Sunday to Sunday. It'll, yeah. it'll come crashing down. So I, I would say make sure, listeners, that you're taking care of your wife and your children uh, or your husband if you're yeah. alive. And, and Chris, I don't know if you want to speak into that at all. Yeah, I mean, I think that goes to, you know, when, when you're, if you're being interviewed for a role and it gets to talking about salary, if you're married, make sure you have that conversation with your spouse uh, before you say yes to a salary because there are salary implications. And I find often um, churches don't really know what to pay people and and they want the most effectiveness from <laughs> the least investment. That's, that, there's a business side to it. And so a lot of times... Um, uh, staff will get locked in at a, a, a salary that's really just unfair and it's not sustainable for a family. And there's resentment from day one in the marriage because your spouse is upset that you said yes to a salary that your family can't live on. So I'd say there's that. Um, and I'd say also like, make sure you got vacation time and make sure you use vacation for vacation and take vacation. If you've got holidays, take it. Um, and then build in, build in weekly rhythms. So in my context, uh, Friday is my day off and Saturday is my, and we're off Saturdays as well. I'm back for service on Sunday. So on, so I don't put anything on my calendar Friday night, Saturday morning. Nothing goes on my calendar in those two time slots. Friday night is family night. We make dinner for my kids. They watch a movie. We make popcorn, sit on the couch. We put them to bed. And then Friday night is date night with my wife. And date night is kids are in bed. We make dinner for the two of us. We sit and watch a movie. We don't go out. Typically, sometimes we do, but uh, it's date night at home. And then Saturday morning, if you follow me on social media, you know we do Saturday morning pancakes. And we've been doing this for probably, I don't know, five or six years. Every Saturday morning, I make pancakes, my kids help me, and we do breakfast together. And just those two things blocked out on my calendar, it helps the rest of the week orient uh, around the business. So, I, I try not to be up too many evenings in the week for meetings, but if I am, I always know I've got those two big blocks of time on my calendar every week, week, week after week. And then there are other things like I do one-on-one time with my kids. My wife and I, uh, a few times a year, we'll go away for two nights together, just the two of us without our kids. We've got four little kids, so time away without them is really important. Um, but you, but you know, you got to figure out for your stage of life, where you are, what you can afford, all of that stuff. Um, you gotta block out time on your calendar for family for sure. That's good, man. So Chris, uh, Sunday to Sunday, a lot of stuff that needs to happen between them. Any final thoughts for our listeners before we wrap up today? Yeah, I would say, you know, one of the things I think that's happened in the worship leader role over the last maybe 15 or 20 years, it's gotten so big. And in a sense, we're like victims of our own success because we want lighting and we want graphics and we want tracks in our songs and so really just as much as you can get into what are the, what are the things that are going to give me long-term effectiveness and success. That's relationship with people. That's managing your calendar. That's developing as a leader. Always learn. Uh, and then, and then kind of orient the rest of what you do uh, ar- around that. That's really good, man. Chris, if people want to find you online, tell us where and uh, hopefully they'll, they'll connect with you. Yeah, pretty much everywhere Chris from Canada. So ChrisFromCanada.com is my blog. Um, you can search Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Chris from Canada. I've been on Snapchat lately, and I don't really know why I'm on Snapchat other than it's really fun, and a lot of guys on my team are on Snapchat, so I get to do that. Uh, and I, I think my user on Snapchat is Chris Vache, and so you can do that, and it's fun. And like Post on Snapchat everything you don't post everywhere else because it's fun and it's temporary. 
Um, but typically, yeah, Chris from Canada, you can find me pretty much anywhere. Awesome, man. Hey, thanks so much, Chris, for the time, and God bless you and your ministry in Canada. Stay warm. Thanks, Alex. Bye. Well, that's it for today. Uh, hope you enjoyed that episode with Chris. Chris, thanks for the wisdom. And I hope you noticed how many times Chris said the word leader and leadership. And that's really what we're talking about is becoming a great leader, not just on the stage, but in the lives of the people that you work with at your church, in your family. Being a great leader is what's going to make the difference when you actually do stand on the stage. So may God lead you to become a better leader, and may you have a great week this week and great Sunday as you lead worship and a great month as you grow as a leader. God bless you guys, and I'll see you next month with another episode. Carry me